so <laughs> we, we can take more questions. So let's okay. kick it up. All right, let me start with this one. It says, what if someone believes Jesus is truly the Son of God, accepts his teachings, even practices them to the best of his human capacity, but just refuses to be called a Christian, perhaps because he's been scarred by the day-to-day activities of what we now refer to as the church? What would you say such, um, would you say such a person has the ultimate truth? That's question one. Um, question two... Okay, can't a good person who has an awareness of God, or can't just being a good person who has an awareness of God get me into heaven? Good evening, everyone. My Hi. name is Miriam. Hi, Miriam. I am a Muslim. <laughs> okay, uh, you said something which I do not understand, and I've heard like a lot. So there's this thing where you said Jesus came in, um, or rather God came in a human form. And that's where, I mean, that's where you said that's Jesus, right? And I hear Jesus is the son of God. Then I also hear is the prophet of God. For Muslims, they say, like, they call him prophet Isa. Jesus is like the prophet of God. Now, I don't understand how you say Jesus is the son of God and you also say Jesus is God. I need to understand how those two actually add up. Oh, do I have another question? Should I put that? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Now, I for one believe that Islam and Christianity are the same. I stand to be corrected. So now this... um, like our books, the Bible and the Quran, to me, are, have like identical laws, teachings, and the likes. Although slightly different, but almost the same thing. So uh, I need to understand, because all in this whole um, lecture I have had today, it was a thing of me, belie- uh, me being told that I am in darkness. Because it's... You said Jesus is the light, is the way, and all of that. So if I am not for, it's like if you are not a Christian, then you are not it at all. It doesn't matter if you are doing everything good, like you are following the book to do everything that is good and all of that. As far as you are not a Christian, then you are in, in the dark. So I need to really understand that. So are you trying to say that I am not serving God because I am not a Christian? where we have identical, like, identical books, which I'm following. And I'm, I mean, we're serving God. Mm-hmm. So I need to understand this. Thanks. I really need to understand Thanks. this. Thanks, thanks, Miriam. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay, so should I, should I begin? Yeah, yeah. begin. Those All are right. very forward. Or we could keep questions. taking questions until no, we come no, to no. the end. I, no, no, no. no like, no, oh, no. sorry, time. <laughs> come next year. Um, Okay, uh, let, me, let me start with, um, you know what, let me start with Miriam's two questions because there's one, I think the second question that ties in. So Miriam, thanks, thanks for coming, really appreciate your coming. And also thank you for asking the question, for being bold enough to ask that question. Um, uh, let me start with the issue of the Son of God and His God. Um, can I just say also, in tying with your second question there, even that part that is a slightly confusing, someone may, maybe even after I give a particular explanation, you may still say, I disagree with that. 
right? And as you said, you've heard a lot of Christians say it before. Now, you may disagree with it, but I want you to see that what you are disagreeing with, you're actually disagreeing with something that is fundamental. It's not actually just an incidental thing. And so even though you may say, um, I think we're all serving the same God, but you then say, but I disagree with how that God has said he's revealed himself in one particular religion, there may be a problem there. So one of the things I, 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 I tried to say at the beginning was that um, uh, sometimes we try not to be, uh, that we, it, it will help us to all be grown-ups about this, to first say, hey, look, we disagree and that's all right. Right? Now let's talk about those disagreements, especially what they are. So let me say what Christians believe about God, because there are three religions, well, three of the popular religions. The Yoruba religion also, Yoruba traditional religion believes in this, and a few other African traditional ones, that there is one supreme God. So that's monotheism. So the big Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, we all hold to that. However, Christianity has a modified view of that, that central belief. And actually, in many ways, Islam was a response to that. Islam was saying, this thing that you people have said is actually a result of a corruption, and this isn't true. And so what we're trying to do, as the, uh, the prophet was trying to do, was to correct what they would call aberrations in the other two faiths. So that even though they recognize the holy books, they don't recognize the holy books in the, from the time the prophet came, that's seven, uh, six, six, um, seventh century. From that time up until the prophet, uh, to, the, to, the, to this day, they say, no, those things were actual corruptions. Now, those two religions will say, no, actually, those things are correct. Now, we can't then both say, especially when those books, the different books, then brings different things. So one of them is this. That Christians would say, God is a being, one being, with Muslims and, um, and Jews. But that being has complexity within it, and yet doesn't stop him from being one. So, and it's not a logical fallacy. So what he would say is that he is one in being, three in persons. I many times some people say, well, that, that's a manifest absurdity. I agree with it that it's a manifest absurdity if you say there is no example of anything in, in, in creation that can show us that. As I'm speaking to you, you're a human being, and you're one person. And that's what we kind of recognize. So if someone says, well, there's nothing around that, it doesn't make sense because there's nothing around that tells us that. And I've had a Muslim friend that I, I, I studied with who said that. And I asked him, I said, do you believe in, um, in the Quran? He said, yes. So do you believe that the miracles in the Quran um, 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 happened? He said, yes. I said, I hope you know that many people in the world will say that we don't see those miracles happening now. So why would you believe that? So the mere fact that you can't always see something repeatable is not the point at which whether we base it as truth or not. Both of us agree that there's something called revelation. That is, we can't know God fully for who God is, except God comes and tells us who he is. So our view of God is that there's one God who has eternally existed, one being, but he's also existed in three persons. So we use seven statements to normally um, define this. One, there is one God. Two, the Father is God. 
Three, the Son is God. Four, the Spirit is God. Five, the Father is not the Son. Six, the Son is not the Spirit. Seven, the Spirit is not the Father. If I were to say four, if I was to say all the things I said, the Father is God, the Spirit is God, and then I now went ahead and said the Father is the Son. And then I said the Father is not the Son. That is a logical fallacy. But if I say the Father is God and the Son is God, but yet the Father is not the Son, it's not a logical fallacy because the, the, um, the, the most fundamental law of logic, the law of non-contradiction, basically says you can't have the same thing existing at the same time and in the same relationship. This one is the same thing but not in the same relationship. So I often give this example. My surname is Oshunui. My wife's surname is what, do you think? Oshunui. My son, my son is also Oshunui. Now, I can say, as people in our parents' generation will say, when they introduce themselves, and that's why till now, many of us still introduce ourselves as Oshunui Olufemi. That's how we say it, right? You, you take the family name first and go. So I can, like my dad used to answer phone calls when they call him, he say something like, oh, my name is Oshunui. Is he wrong by saying that? So if I said, my name is Oshunui. Can my wife say her name is Oshunui? And can my son say his name is Oshunui? In that regard, if somebody met me and said, your name is Oshunui. Oh, I met you yesterday. But you were a woman yesterday. <laughs> no. We are Oshunui in one relationship, surname. But Femi is not Tosin. Tosin is not Tofumi. Tofumi is not Femi. The father is not the son in terms of the relationship of persons. The son is not the spirit in terms of relationship of persons. But in terms of the relationship of being God, they are all God. Now, is that mysterious? Absolutely. I could not, none of us could have made that up except it was given to us by revelation. We just take it because this is who God has said he is. And does it make sense? I, you, uh, some of us know Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs and uh, what's the other something? Wozniak. What's the, Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak made the first personal computer. The Apple that we know, Macintosh, right? Now, we know what personal computers are now. Some of us are iPhones, how wonderful they are. They're extremely complex things, aren't they? Guess what an iPhone is not more complex than? A human being. The number of circuits that you have in an iPhone, it, it, the number of circuits you have in your brain are almost, we can't even count them, and yet they are functioning altogether. What does that mean? The designer is always more complex than what has been designed. So if I say, oh, this is who God is, I'm like, that is extremely complex. How can you even believe that? Well, first of all, is it a logical fallacy because God doesn't believe in nonsense? No. If it's not and he's more complex, actually, that's probably why he's God. Now, I've just said that to just show what Christians believe. I've not, that doesn't necessarily mean then that it's true. But what I would say is that a Muslim reading the Quran cannot believe in that. In fact, the Quran explicitly says that the Trinity is not right. And so we then have a situation where both of us are saying that this view, the, the, the Bible is saying, here is this view about God. And then the Quran is saying, here's this view about God. 
Or let me give one more example. If you came to meet me, um, let's say tomorrow, and say, hey, I met your wife. I'm like, really? Are you serious? Tell, ah, your wife, isn't she toasting? I said, yeah. I and she went to Unilag. I said, uh, no. Um, but uh, but she, she moved to the UK in 2010. I'll say, oh, yeah. And um, she, 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 she studied a, a, a master's for business administration. I'll say, no. Um, she has two children. I'll say, yeah. Um, but she uh, absolutely loves you. I'll say, no. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'll say, I think, I think, I, I hope she does. <laughs> right? And then um, at, at the current moment, she's uh, studying for a PhD. Um, um, in University of Sussex, I'll say no. At the end of that conversation, would you say you met my wife? You, met, you say you met someone that was similar, but had some similarities. So I want to push back and then say if our two religions are describing God differently, can we really say we are worshiping the same God on the basis of that? I say that in the most friendly, in the most gentle way. I've grown up with Muslims. My grandmother was originally a Muslim. I have relatives that are Muslims. I'm friendly with Muslims. But I think it's respectful for both of us in our religions to say we can tolerate one another, respect each other, but let's not say that we actually believe the same thing fundamentally. But one more thing about the fundamental thing. Um, in the Quran, it is explicitly said there that Jesus didn't die on the cross. And then, that doesn't, then it, op it doesn't even open um, the possibility of a resurrection. Now, it does talk about Jesus, Isa, as you said. It talks about him being the word of God, as the Bible says. It talks about him coming back to be the one who is going to judge at the end of the day. It speaks about all of those things. But if you read the gospel account of Jesus Christ, you will be left with no other alternative than to say the most central thing, as I read from the, today, that the most central thing about Christianity, the most central, it's not the only thing, it's not the most exclusive, it's not the only ex exclusive, but it's the most central, is the death and the resurrection. And so if another faith says, this did not happen, it's hard for us to then say that we actually are believing the same thing. I would say then, if you say there are certain kinds of teachings on alms giving, on taking care for the poor, on respecting neighbor and all those things that we have in common, I'll say, yes, you're correct. But actually, the fundamental things of most religions are not the rules. The rules emerge from the fundamentals. If I come out to you and say, we, be we believe the same thing, but I don't believe that, uh, that um, Prophet um, Muhammad was a prophet from God. Well, like, we, have how many, we, have, we only have how many uh, central claims, right? That God, there's only one God that is Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. To say that Muhammad is not a prophet, and then come out and say that we believe the same thing. It's not. That is a fundamental. And it's based on the fact that Muhammad was a prophet of Allah. Then you follow the revelation and the teachings that came from that. The central thing there is not first and foremost the teachings. The central thing there is that God spoke to Muhammad. And so if somebody, if somebody disputes that, they're really disputing the core of your religion. And so I just want to gently push back on that, on that belief. Now, does that then mean you are in darkness. I want to push it this way. If I said you're in darkness, but we're saying here is the light, wouldn't that be better than just saying you're in darkness and there's nothing you can do about it? You see, essentially, I would think that from your religion and 
hopefully for my religion, if we take these exclusive claims and they're true, the love that the God in that religion is saying is that, hey, here people are in darkness, but I'm not leaving them with that option of staying in darkness. I've actually revealed myself. And I want to say that from all I can see from the Christian faith, that Jesus saying that he's the light, he's the truth, he's the way, it's actually the most loving thing. It will not be loving if he really believes that and that was true. And then he says, why don't you try this other way? Um, because I don't want to hurt your feelings. If I met a doctor today and the doctor had just seen a diagnosis that I had a terrible disease, but that disease had a cure. But he was scared of the fact that he'll hurt my feelings because I'll feel stigmatized. And so he didn't tell me what he diagnosed and therefore couldn't give me the cure. What would I say about that doctor eventually? And so I think different religions offer these paths. We, we, we talk about our worldview based on our revelation. And Christ, Christianity is basically saying, look, we were lost darkness sin because we decided to live as though we were God for ourselves. But God is so merciful, God is so kind, that he didn't come to give us commandments because he never felt that if it's just by commandments we can reach him. The Bible says, look, if you break one of the commandments, you've broken all of them. And he says, it's not like Hinduism where he's going to give you some wise teachings. Because many times, some people are not even educated enough to understand. So you don't have moral barriers, and you don't have an intellectual barrier. All he's saying is this. Can you check and see whether this is true, historically and otherwise? And if you can see that it's true, will you, see, will you submit to what he says about himself in Jesus Christ? And will you submit to what he says about you, that you are in darkness, but you can come to the light by believing in him? And that's what the gospel or the Christianity offers. All right, thank you. Thanks. Um, um, so on the person who says, if I'm just good and I do all the things, so here's what Christianity says, why people are in darkness. Many times people say, what if I'm just a good person, I do all that is good. Have you noticed what that claim is? You're actually claiming to be God because you are saying that I am the one who defines what ultimate good is. If my child today comes to me and says, um, I have two sons. And one of them, um, the older one came and he slapped the, the younger one. He slapped him for, for no reason in particular. He just wanted to. He got a kick out of slapping him. <laughs> and then I wanted to punish him. I was going to punish him. I said, Dad, why are you punishing me? He said, because you slapped your son. He said, but I tidied my room. <laughs> I finished my food. I'm like, that's good, son. I'm still going to smack you for, <laughs> for hitting your son. In other words, in my house, my son doesn't get to define what morality is. My son doesn't get to define what the way of salvation is. If he's doing that, he's usurping the place of the parent. When we define what good is and when we define what the path to what eternal life is, then we are saying that we know more than God. So I must go back and ask to the person who asked that question, you have to first deal with what Jesus said, not just about what do you think is good? What did Jesus say? People came to meet Jesus and said, a guy said, hey, I've kept all the laws of Moses from my childhood. And Jesus asked him a question and said, all right, why don't you sell all the what you have, give to the poor? He wasn't saying that selling all you have, giving to the poor is the way for salvation. He then says after that, he says, follow me. And all of a sudden, the guy couldn't follow him. In other words, Jesus was saying, 
ultimately, even all the good things you do, they're good, they have value in this world in that they meet people's needs, but ultimately, if you define your own morality for yourself, you are trying to say that you're occupying the place of God, and that is the most abominable thing. So you either bow to me as Lord, or you bow to yourself as Lord. Someone said that there are only two people in this world. One, uh, one who says, God, your will be done, and the one to whom God says, your will be done. So we have one just question. One what about the one, I do everything that Christians do, I just don't want to identify as a Christian due to like church hurt and stuff like that. Due to what? So like due to the fact that I've experienced hurt from what people call the church today. I, here's the thing. If you, if you obey all the commandments that God has said, and often when I hear this kind of question, I want to ask the person, do you go to church regularly? Are you in community? Because when they say I do all the things that Christians do, mainly I pray, I worship God, I read my Bible. All those things are incredibly important, but they only speak about your personal devotional life. And God didn't, Jesus didn't save you to just be an individual. He saved you to be part of the community as well. Now, if you are, if you are regularly part of a community, you are, you, are a, you are regularly getting the word of God, you are submitting to leadership that is healthy, you are serving in the church, you are being generous, you are doing all the things that you want. And you don't want to take the Christian label. <laughs> Look, it's fine. The Christian label, the, the name Christian even came as, a, as an insult, right? So, and it only appears twice in the Bible. So if you don't want to take it, that's fine. It, it's fine. But if you're using that as a crutch to actually avoid certain things because of some of the bad things that Christians have done, and Christians have done very bad things. Um, you know, sometimes Jesus will say, I think, at the end of the day, that sometimes that you say you love me, but you didn't love my wife. I don't think the answer to um, the evils of the church is to then say I'm staying away from the church. Or I don't like the church. I don't want to be identified with them. I think it's an argument for, one, trying to look for a healthy church to be in, and two, working for reform in the church. But the church is the only bride that Jesus has. If you come to me and you tell me that you like me and you don't like my wife, I don't want to be your friend. Simple. All right? <laughs> So, so if you are doing all truly, and these things I've included, uh, that's fine. The label itself doesn't matter. Call yourself a follower of Jesus. But you say, I don't want to be called a follower of Jesus too. I don't want to. Uh, then I have a problem with why you want to label yourself. Labels do matter still at the end of the day. All right, I'll try and be quicker. Okay, so we have questions from two people, I believe, but they're similar. So I'll read them out quickly. One says, Christians assume they know God by reading the Bible. And yet, all of mankind do not even know everything about matter that we can see and touch. Why do we imagine that we know everything about God by reading only the Bible? The second one says, in engaging Christians, the assumption is that the Bible is usually agreed upon. Why should the Bible be believed and not the Quran or the Hindu holy book? So can you say that last part is assume that the Bible, everything? Assume that the, Bi the Bible is usually agreed upon. Why should the Bible be believed and not the Quran oh, or Hindu? Yeah, slightly different questions. Okay, the first one. Um, oh, if you, if you say that Christians believe that you, you can know everything about God by reading, from reading the Bible, actually, that's, that's, any Christian that tells you that, that's absolutely untrue. That's, the Bible doesn't claim that. As you said, we don't even know everything about matter. That's true. What the Bible claims, what 
a, a good Christian should claim, and the Bible claims, is that everything that the Bible says about God is true. It doesn't say it says everything about God. In fact, explicitly in the Bible, it says that um, this, the, the, the secret things belong to God, but the things that, that um, are revealed, he has given to, to human beings, to the children of men. In other words, it is, it's impossible. An Apple computer cannot know Steve Jobs fully. Right? It's just not possible. We cannot know God exhaustively, but we can know him truly. And there are two different things. In other words, um, how many of us, how many of us, um, well, most of us, a lot of us would have flown on planes, right? Right? We've flown on planes, right? When you went on your last trip on a plane, how many of you went to the cockpit? How many of you knew the mental state of the pilot? How many of you knew the engineering state of the plane? Let me tell you what you knew. You knew about the reputation of the airline, right? You knew that they didn't have any crash in the last couple of years. Not many of you are queuing up to fly Ethiopian Airlines right now. And I'm not saying that as a joke, but it's just the truth. Many airlines, they crash, if, as in the, they, they fall as businesses once they have one plane crash, right? Talk about Bellevue, if any of you know that. Right? So, so, so that's it. You go with the reputation of this airline. You go with the fact that they have had successful flights. You go with the fact that, wow, I think this is a good, well-run business. That knowledge is true and enough for you to put your faith in going on that plane. We don't need exhaustive knowledge about God to know whether or not we should put our faith in him. What we need is true knowledge about him. And so what we say is that Jesus reveals himself, God reveals himself in Jesus, supremely in Jesus, but especially in the Bible. And what the Bible reveals is God's saving plan for humanity. That is, the creation that we see, you and I see and enjoy, but at the same time gives us a lot, a lot of aches was designed by an intelligent designer who has not left it to its own devices. He has a plan for it. He's saying, I haven't left it to its own devices. And the way I can show you that is my ultimate revelation in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ is a person. He's apart from the Bible, but you can't really know him apart from what the Bible says. And that's what he tells you. It doesn't tell you everything about science. It doesn't tell you everything about art. It doesn't tell you everything about the news. It hopefully tells you how to think about art. It hopefully tells you how to embrace and think about science. It hopefully tells you how to consume the news. But it doesn't tell you everything about them. But it definitely tells you about the afterlife and how you can get into, um, 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 to get a judgment on the final day that puts you in the good side of the afterlife. On the other um, question about, um, Yes, I, I do think that sometimes, and Christians are not um, the only ones that are bad at this, but I say, let's own it. That is, um, if you are repelled by Christianity because of the way certain Christians have argued, please just look for better Christians to, to, to talk with. Why I say that is this. I, um, I, I, I spent a huge amount of time um, in the scientific, intellectual, academic, scientific community. I can tell you this. Philosophical materialists, scientific philosophical materialists, are some of the worst argumenters that you can find. They're as bad as Christians, too. 
In fact, let me tell you the truth. Generally, in the world, we have a very big problem in how to engage. We just have a problem. Look at politics, right? Your candidate, he stole, uh, candidate, he hasn't answered these charges that about the things that, what about your own candidate? How can you even accuse him? Do you know him? You are a stupid person. Look at you. How old are you that I even have you? That's how we, this is how we, because if I disagree with you about something, we always take it too personal, right? To disagree with someone about something, you are almost seeing it as you disagree with me as my value as a person. And if you do that, we can't have, we can't have meaningful discussions. And I want to say that if you're a Christian here, honestly, when we put the advert for this thing on Instagram, you should see the way some Christians were arguing. We wanted to, we just couldn't mute, we didn't want to mute them and block them because I think the comments were helping drive the traffic. So. <laughs> All right, so, but it's, it can be bad sometimes. Um, so the Christianity doesn't say that. We, we as Christians have to be humble to the things that the Bible doesn't talk about. But if we know that the Bible truly says something, we should also be humble in how we go about saying it. Now, not everybody always agrees with your foundation of authority. Um, my talk today, if you came, if you come on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to give this kind of talk because most of the people you would expect, not all, but most of the people you'd expect would be Christians. There is a certain level of an agreed authority. But I think the more we engage with each other across religious lines, we have to look for ways to talk that just doesn't assume that the person must assume your own authority. And Christians are bad. The Bible says this. Okay, the Quran says this. <laughs> so what do we do about it? There's an impasse. I think we have to find more intelligent ways of discussing. So if that's been your experience with Christians, let me apologize for them. But I think I'm sure there are some bad people in your own community as well. All right. Life? What, what's an ending? All right, any live <laughs> questions? Any questions from anyone? OK. Good evening. My name is Faith. So I'm not the one who asked the question, but the last question on the veracity of the Bible, but I don't think you've um, answered the question. So could you, why, I mean, why is the Christian Bible true? Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to ask, I didn't think the person's, the question, the, 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 it's meant to be a, an objection. The objection is basically that if you are born this, if you are born in a Christian home, um, or you are born in a culture that is largely Christian, that is why you're a Christian. And that is not, so and it's the same thing with other religions. And so we can't really tell whether that's true or not. So I didn't feel that the point there is to actually prove the veracity of the Bible. I'm answering the objection. And the objection is that truth, ultimately truth, is socially constructed. The truth is socially located. And I'm saying anybody that is making that assertion, that assertion that truth is socially located, is that a socially located assertion itself? In other words, the assertion itself destroys itself. So I didn't feel that that's, that's not the point to prove the veracity of the Bible. If you want to talk about the veracity of the Bible, that's a different conversation. But I just want to push back on the person to say, by making that statement, you are not disproving not just Christianity, you're not disproving any faith. Now, if it's about the verse of the Bible, I can't go through everything. There are different, there are different um, uh, models, there's a classical model, but th this is the easiest model that I, I hold to. And um, 
you know, if each time you give the challenge to people, they kind of listen and then they go and they do nothing with it. But I go with, with Jesus and the resurrection. As I said, um, the, the, the fact of the resurrection, just sociologically and historically, you can prove the resurrection is something, is something, um, is a historical fact to believe that has a, more weight than the existence of Julius Caesar, Plato, and Aristotle. The reason why people say it's not true, they don't give historical, a good historical um, uh, pushback and rational uh, 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 thinking, sociological ones. There are many theories about possibilities of what it could be, swoon theory, or maybe they, they sold the body, or maybe he didn't die, or many different things. And Christians have their answers against these things. Here's the point, the reason why a lot of people still push back. Because Jesus is not, the resurrection doesn't leave you, it can't leave you neutral. If Jesus rose from the dead, that has everything to do with whether or not you sleep with someone that is not your wife or not. And many times the problem is that it's because it makes moral claims. It's a historical fact that goes beyond just the historical fact. It's a historical fact that points to theology. It's a historical fact that points to your morality. It's a historical fact that then says, if he did rise from the dead, then we have to then look at all the things that he said. He can't just be somebody that we just dismiss. It's just like if somebody is elected the president today and says that Nigerian youth are lazy, and somebody else who has no political office says Nigerian youth are lazy. Well, the one that, let's say, Kunle says Nigerian youth are lazy. And our elected president says Nigerian youth are lazy. You know what's going to happen with Kunle's uh, statement? Nothing. You know what's going to happen with our president's statement? A hashtag. Because the fact, the historical fact of his election has implications for the people of that country. If Jesus Christ truly rose from the dead and he's saying, I've started a new world with a new humanity in it, then that has implications for all human beings, and especially when he claimed to be God, and then, back to the original question, when he looked at the scriptures and he affirmed the scriptures and he said, the scriptures cannot be broken, he says everything will be fulfilled. Jesus had a high view of the scriptures. He had a view that said the scriptures were without error. He had a view that showed that the scriptures were infallible. So if Jesus rose from the dead and then said all of these things, guess what? I'm going to go with a guy who claimed to be God, rose from the dead, and who affirmed scriptures than somebody who is a mere mortal who is going to die, and we don't know. So that's, that's, the, that's one of the reasons. There are other, um, other ways, there's a classical method that goes through how we um, uh, go with uh, historical books and look at prophecies and all of that. But you have to go back to Jesus' resurrection. If that really happened, then you cannot dismiss who he was who he claimed to be, and you have to deal with that. Okay, so I guess this is the last question or official question of the night. When we end, you can hound Femi. He will be around to talk to people. Um, there, there's some really good. No, he will. Will I? Yeah, you will. Okay. Yeah. I have been. He will. I am a man under authority, I've been told. <laughs> no, no, there's some really good questions here. But okay, so this one says, does believing in the exclusivity of Christ mean that we are precluded from taking part in practices and rituals which are related to other religions. Yes. For example, oh, yoga. Sorry, for example. Okay. Yeah. Salami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do yoga, affirmations, meditating with crystals, and salami. 
No, did the person write salami there? No. Okay, so it's not there, not in the question. Ah. This question wants to divide my church. Because <laughs> some people think that you guys are demonic. Some people are actually, uh, I know somebody that even wanted to be a yoga instructor herself. <laughs> so, um, I'll start this way. As I said um, in response to Miriam, there are certain things that are core of a religion. But the things that are core of the religion are not the exclusive things. There are many other things that, because of the core, there are implications. So in Christianity, one of the things we like to think about, and I would say I'm sure this, this taxonomy also works for other, other, other religions, is think of four concentric circles, all right? In, for, you know what I mean by concentric circles, right? Yeah. One circle in, I, inside, there's another one, just like the ripples when you throw um, um, a pebble into a pond. So in the stone into water. <laughs> You know, wow, that's the control, the that's water the PhD. side, that's water the PhD side PhD does, uh, uh, that's the PhD talking, please. And when it control does, pokum, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, retranslate, Lagos. I mean, so, <laughs> so, so, in the, at the, at the, in the core, in the core of the, the first circle, talk about essentials or non-negotiables, essentials or non-negotiables. On the outer, you can have convictions. On the um, on, outside, outside of that, you can have um, 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 uh, uh, looking for a word. So the last one I can call questions. Um, the third one would be not just convictions, but it's more like impressions, right? Strong impressions, something like that. So it's not everything. I can't, you know, why? At least in like in our church, in our church, people always make a point to me, to always say, I disagree with Femi on that. I disagree with Femi on that. And it's, and it's good, it's, you know, because not everything is an essential, right? If we disagree on the essentials, I, want to want, I wonder why you are here, because it's an essential thing, right? If it's about convictions, it means I strongly hold to it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have fellowship with each other. And then if it's strong impressions, well, it means that we we just hold to different views, and then we, it's fine. We can, we can have good discussions about it. And then on, the, on that outer one is when we see God, we'll ask him. <laughs> All right? So let me say this one, how I answer it, is somewhere in between the second and the third ring. All right? So I think you have to be careful how you engage with re other religious practices. Now, notice... There is the, the religion itself, but there are the practices. So the practices are not necessarily fully that. But at the same time, many of the practices are sacred to the religion. Many of the practices are forms of worship. Almost all religions, almost all religions, even those who are non-religious. I remember there was a church that started in London a few years ago. I don't know whether they still do it, but it was a church for atheists. And they even had a communal meal. They had their Ten Commandments. There are different things, right? It's hard to say that you are uh, organized around your religion if you don't have some rules, you don't have a kind of meal. Almost every religion has a sacred meal. And so for Christians, in the book of 1 Corinthians 8 to 10, there is a discussion that, look, sacred meals form part of the worship of, of that particular deity. Now, 
On the other hand, within that same argument, he says, now, we don't believe in other deities. So we are not saying that this particular meal means anything. But on the other hand, he then says, but even though we don't say that it means anything that would effectually do something to you, we're saying that how does it look when you have your own sacred meal, what we will call the Lord's Supper, and it's a form of worship, and then that other religion you don't subscribe to has their own sacred meal, and you're also partaking of it. There is a problem there. So on the one hand, if you come and you say, well, when I ate it, nothing happened to me. You say, well, yeah, you can find that in the Bible. But that doesn't mean it's not a problem. And it's the same thing with certain practices. If you tell me about yoga, yoga has, yoga has the, if you just think about the physical aspect of yoga, right? There are certain physical ex exercises there that will benefit everyone. But those, those practices did not come out of a vacuum. They didn't. They come out of a certain worldview, a certain view about how we, uh, how we are all connected together by a certain you know, uh, human force, right? And that in many ways, it's trying, to find, it's trying to find balance with that that enables our physical body to work well. Now, I personally, I don't think the Bible would affirm that kind of worldview. But it doesn't mean that there are not some of the practices that are there that could be beneficial. So if you ask me, is the Bible absolutely going to say you cannot do that? I would say if someone tells you that, they are overstepping their boundaries. But will I, will I sort of discourage if you told me, oh, hey, look at what they do in that yoga, and then there's a modified view of this that, doesn't, that is not called yoga. I said, why don't you try that other one? <laughs> right? It doesn't come with baggage. So I, say, I would say that as Christians, let's be careful how we engage in practices that other religions, not because we hate those religions. I, I, I think I need to keep affirming that. We said it in church today about the killings that happen in New Zealand or Muslims. Those are things that, as Christians, we should totally condemn. And in this our country as well, we live side by side, Muslims and people that don't believe. So we must always be loving. But I think it's also an unloving thing to not be true with people about what you believe, and you want them to be true with you about what they believe. So I would say this, because we worship in a certain way, in a specified way that was given to us, we want to be careful how we engage in other practices that mean something for people in another religion, particularly when you don't believe in it. I'm not wholeheartedly saying that you cannot and you'll be sinning. I'm saying let's be wise and be careful with it. Does that, does that make sense? Wow. Thank you, Thank Femi. You.